I'm John Paul Murphy. And I'm Christian Humes. And you're listening to Watch World. On this episode of Watch World, we'll be discussing our uh, season two thoughts on the show Watch World, uh, just kind of as a wrap up, as well as diving into the 1973 Michael Crichton directed movie Westworld. Yeah, I think that'll be the majority of what we talk about here because we watched the movie for the original Westworld. And I think everyone that's a fan of the TV show should do this. And this is a great time to do it because you're probably reeling after the first week of not having a fresh new episode to dissect. Yeah. Um, and ha- have you watched this movie before? A very long time ago. Okay. I had never seen it. I was aware of it, but I had, uh, you know, not, not until now really kind of like uh, seen it all. So, and should we uh do we want to uh just dive into that first or should we dive up any any wrap-up thoughts about the uh the tv show um yeah i so regarding the tv show there you know i i looked into social media over the last week and a lot of my friends and people i know that watch the show are very out on it because they felt it was very confusing and for me the thing that i found the more i think about the show as it's gone on is is actually it's still again very straightforward it's like the timelines were actually not that complicated they were a little bit misleading but in general they were very upfront with everything and tried to make sure you were aware of where you were in the timeline or in reality whether or not they're in a virtual space or a meet space but at no point did it feel like the writers wanted us to be generally confused. They just withheld information, which is why it's a nonlinear storytelling, so that certain reveals would be um, better told. Because I think it had it been told linear in a linear fashion, it wouldn't have been as interesting. And also because yeah. it, we're meant to empathize more with Bernard this season, and so the storytelling device this season revolves around the same way his mind came into fruition similar to the way that we followed along Dolores's path last season so I I think it was an amazing season I might like it still better than the first and I don't understand all the blowback I think people are overthinking things and just feeding into the zeitgeist of pretending like it's so complicated yeah I think it's similar to I was trying to give a good example of it's like when I try to show people the prestige another you know oh I love that movie where it's like it's a great movie. It is a very complicated movie in the sense that you're dealing with three timelines and all these sort of things going on. And so when I show it to people, a lot of people really like it, but some people are like, like I don't get it. Or like, yeah, that was confusing. Or, you know, um, so I, I maybe compare it to that where for a lot of viewers, maybe the timeline split and cutting back and forth and kind of jumping around a little bit that I feel like maybe was uh, it didn't allow for maybe the, the story to be digested easy as maybe some would expect it um i think for me overall like comparing season two to season one i think that while season two i think had the highest highs i also think maybe there was some episodes and some moments where it uh, uh, lower than moments in season one so like for me it was one of those things where i think season one was a very uh although maybe not as didn't have as great as moments was a more consistently good episode like season it was a tighter package but i yeah now, John, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I would argue that the reason, and this is why I like season two better, and why I believe season one is maybe a tighter package, is because they're dealing with a lot more concepts in season one that are not groundbreaking, that have been done before, that are almost normal in science fiction affair. Where with season two, there were, I mean, not that any of these were brand new, but 
a lot of the things we're seeing haven't been done as often and are a lot newer and maybe more evolved ideas in a lot of the science fiction concepts and theories we dealt with as opposed to season one, whereas it's a very simple concept we're dealing with. Yeah, I think I I would agree in that point where I feel like season one did its job in which it set up this world and this story that's unfolding. And season two did the next logical thing, which is to, to take the story into new and interesting directions. Now, I think maybe for me, it suffered a little bit from uh, lost syndrome in the sense that my expectations that were building up during the season didn't necessarily pay off in exactly the way I want. And thus, like in some weird way, it was not not necessarily disappointing, but it wasn't, you know, oh, like, because I think it I wasn't do... the thing you thought it would be. Correct. Uh, I hate uh, that. If people, I, but it's sorry, if you're going to get involved with the conversation of a show and become a part of its culture, when it doesn't turn out your way, you can't be annoyed about it because otherwise, no, you're still, it's not like it's I'm not like, happening. I'm not saying, oh, it's like bad. I'm just saying it's, it's saying, it's not saying like, I'm just not excited for the ending of it sure. in that way. Like, I, I think I have a right to not enjoy something or to like not something. I'm like, I think it's just as equal. Like, I think you can be on both sides of this thing where yeah. you don't have the right to judge people for not liking something just as like, I don't have the right to judge you for liking something. <laughs> so that's what art is. But, but I, yeah, I'm just I saying guess like, my point is, though, when you've decided what the fiction is in your head before the writers have told you, if you now decide that you don't like their fiction because you had built up this idea in your head of what it would be not because of what they actually told you it would be, that's kind of on you. Like you have to be willing to allow the show to be its own thing. And but like at the also same time, be okay though, with getting it wrong because people you're going to get it wrong if you engage with any kind of show that has any kind of mystery. You're not always going to be right. True, true. I but I'm what I'm like comparing it to Lost in the sense that when you're watching over the first you know two to three seasons, like there's a lot of mystery ongoing with the island, and you're kind of you know your mind is sort of building up as to what the answers are, and then as the answers are being revealed or not being revealed or pushed off forever, it's you know, your perception can sometimes change. Sometimes it can be better than what you expected. And sometimes it, it can yeah. be like, oh, like maybe that was more simple than I expected. And I feel like yeah. this with episode 10 and like the sort of finale, it although I think you and I had a lot of like theories that ended up being kind of correct, in some ways it was much of, uh, in some ways simpler than we thought. Yeah, and that's what I think this whole season was. Like every... I mean, I started saying it around episode three or four of the season. I was like, I think this is actually we just keep making the show more complicated in our heads than it actually yeah. is. And, that, and I that's think the that's, that's the problem with with a mystery thriller type show in which, you know, the human brain is often going to fill in very, you know, much more. It won't be as simple as we always it ends up being like we will always want to fill it in with something more complicated. But I think that's the brilliance of the show is that they're able to get away with creating these mysteries that they never set out to. Like they know exactly what they're doing. They they withhold just enough information to make us start asking questions about things that they never actually pose so that we aren't paying attention to the stuff they're showing us right in front of our face. And that yeah. I think if you really want to pay better attention to what's happening in the show, you really need to take things at more face value and not look at like weird theories and not get too deep into what every little bit of the show is, you know, every visual language, every word that has been said, because that's they're, they're not actually doing that stuff. And we're, we're 
sort of making the mysteries harder to solve for ourselves, which is good for them. They're doing that on purpose. They're they're tricking yeah. us into making it a bigger mystery than it is because then when stuff gets revealed, it's like, oh, of course, like it makes sense. It all actually adds up. It was yeah. that was the answer. I the just want to know where that bear came from that's in the HQ. <laughs> You know, it's that mean? shot of that dead bear that Carl Strand looks at. And at no point in any, are we shown in the show, does a bear attack anybody? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I guess we never it, see it. it. it Maybe a... it was cut. We do see we do see the bear in uh, Aki Chita's, uh flashback. That's true. But so. I, I just wanted to see that, you know, when there's a big melee happening in that headquarters area. Yeah. A, a bear coming a in there. That kind of they did, been they awesome. did the thing with the with the cattle or the the, the cows, the bulls, yeah, yeah, the bulls. So I was like, I want to see a bear maul some people. Anyways, yeah, nitpick. Um, what was your favorite episode this season? Okay, so that's that's really tough. Um, my, oh, I mean, it's easy I think for me. I so is yours, Kiksuya? No. Oh, it's not. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the episode with James Delos was. Yeah, that's mine. The Riddle of the Sphinx. Yeah, Riddle of the Sphinx is possibly it. Does which episode also has Emily's reveal? Um, as far as him being William's daughter. No, like when we see Ross World. I also really liked just that opening. I Ross loved World the is opening for Ross World. Episode three. Okay, and then I mean that was maybe I. Honestly, I love the finale, and I also love the episode prior to the finale. I love all the William flashback stuff, and when William kills Emily, I think was just brutal. That yeah, was I like, mean, that was a lot of really good stuff. I just think the Riddle of the Sphinx was a great, I think, in, yeah. in episode of itself, and I think for me, also had the best moment of the season and actually of the show so far, which was as they're showing you this, you know, experiment over time with James Delos. You know, you're seeing this other timeline with. Uh, Bernard and and Elsie yeah. in the lab, and then that moment when and when Bernard's like, "Don't open that door," and they open the door, and it's the lab that he's in. I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like, yeah. and uh, that whole sequence with like crazy James Delos on the bike. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the best episode. That's the best. Yeah, it, it, it's you know so. That to me is, I think it's the best episode of the series so far. Yeah, it was very good. Kiksuya was also a great episode. Yeah, I think a lot of these other episodes, I think, had some really good moments. I think Kiksuya was probably the second to me as far as strongest. And then, yeah, like you said, there was a lot of good moments in 9 and 10. Yeah, the um, penultimate finale. I mean, honestly, I would just say this. I think there's only one weak episode, and that's the one with the assault on the Mesa. Yes, I would say that's probably the week, like, because that has also the lowest point of the series, which yes. is the uh, Angela seducing the man to pull his grenades out. Yes, and then it would be followed by the episode that has the shootout at the uh, with the Confederales. Yeah, that, that's uh, episode three. I think that that I watching that one recently, and I was like, eh, that's not as yeah. As, and it those would be the, cool, two, like, the two biggest low points. Not not great of the yeah. season. Yeah. Um. So John. One of the high points of the season, and it's why we decided to go watch these movies. And next week, we'll be watching Future World. And honestly, John, maybe we will watch the original TV show. There's only six episodes. Yeah. Um, and I read a little bit about what they're about, and it sounds like we should watch them. I think we should. I would be yes. expecting to be disappointed, though, because I feel like I don't think they're very good. Yeah, I, I was thinking we we go to, we watch them and we do it as like one episode. We talk about the whole thing. Yeah, as one I episode. think we should do that. 
Because that way, any like good information that we think they could be pulling from or things that we can use for theories, we can all talk about one episode from the whole season. Because it's like, I think it's only six episodes. Yeah. Um, So Westworld, the movie. Which, um, I'm sorry, I meant to say this. They, do you remember what it said to William about if you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction? So we got to look back to the original Westworld movie from 1973. Ah, uh, yes. So we can find more answers for the future <laughs> of Westworld. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting to watch this movie with the perspective of knowing what the modern show is. And it's kind of, I'm trying to like find a good comparison, but it's, you know, you're, you're watching essentially a 40-year-old remake. So yeah. there's a lot of like little nuggets of things where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's like, I, this is all recognizable. And then, but, you know, obviously it's done in the early 70s. So it's it's maybe before even the creators have know what they're making you know sometimes or like what you know the ideas they have so overall like what did you think of the movie i was i'm so happy that i watched it and i really enjoyed watching it the whole time there was like one or two scenes where i started to kind of like zone out but other than that i thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing especially as a current westworld watcher because there were so many times where i'm like oh i see exactly where where this influence this character or this setting or they've even like remade some of these exact shots um and it was so cool to see how these things played out in their original concept yeah and i think it's an interesting lesson in you know guy with an idea a potentially really good idea maybe having the resources and the capability to execute that idea but maybe not the the experience sometimes so i feel like yep you know michael Crichton sort of writing directing and you know implementing this whole idea there's a lot of things i think he does really cool here but then also a lot of things where i feel like if it was in the hands of maybe a more experienced director uh it would have been an even better movie than it was uh sure there's definitely some moments it it i'm glad he made it because he probably learned so much about directing it for writing screenplays because i mean we get you know jurassic park because of this because westworld worked we got jurassic park yeah uh yeah and so but i also do think they I don't think this concept, I think it works better as a, as a TV show and in, in watching it now. Oh yeah, for sure. Because the scope of the movie was so limited. Correct. And it, and also the movie doesn't, it has an ending, but it's not really an ending. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> it just kind of ends. Because <laughs> um, essentially it's uh, the whole movie is predicated around the, you know, these two guys, mainly this one guy who's like experiencing the park for the first time who essentially they are William and Logan. Yeah. And what's interesting to me about it, though, John, is I feel like one of the characters is basically the perfect combination of William and Logan, whereas the other guy, as much as he was supposed to be Logan, he wasn't. He was sort of like some character that's never really existed on the show. Yeah, he was just kind of this cool Christian Bale looking dude, which it's James yeah. Brolin. So and who's the father John. of Josh? Oh, Brolin. Yeah, James Brolin. Yep. Yeah. Um, and who, who he did a lot of like big movies during this period, like yeah. Amityville Horror and other things. So he was, it was a star. Peter and John, right? Those were the names of the two guys. Yeah, Peter and John. Uh, Peter, but yeah, he did. He felt like more of like he did have the Logan aspect of like, oh, I've been here before. You'll you'll learn. You know, you'll see kind of what's all about. But but he wasn't as like dickish as Logan. Yeah. Well, can we can we go through the story in a semi chronological order so that sure. we don't because anything that I think obviously pertains to the Westworld TV show we should talk about and obviously any other highlights from the movie we could talk about. Okay, but we should definitely try and keep this to I think also what's going to be interesting to people that watch the show because it, I I think we would be so right off the okay so let's just start from 
the beginning then. And because the beginning, there's a lot to talk about, right? Yeah, the start, yeah, the way they jump right everything. in with the Delos kind of destinations. Delos destinations, yeah. It's not called Westworld. It's not like the whole thing is actually called Delos Destinations, which today you can go to the Delos Destinations website, and that's where a lot of the ARG stuff was happening. Yeah. For the current season of Westworld, which was pretty awesome, and that's how they revealed Raj World as well. You were able to like go and look up the destinations. Yeah, and so this one they they set up that Westworld, Roman world, and medieval world are kind of very closely connected. Like they're not yes. like although there's distinct uh parks, it seems like you can easily go from one to the other if you wanted to. Uh yeah, maybe to an extent. I mean we see later in the movie in a in a fashion that's very similar to the way that it happens on the current show, Westworld, he actually does go out. Like at first when we're watching the movie, it seems like Westworld is just this one little town. But then when the main character is being chased by the, the movie's sort of man in black, the gunslinger, he's on the horse riding out into what looks like a very vast desert. Clearly not the size of our Westworld. Yeah. But it was still pretty big. But then what I thought was brilliant was he crosses like a river into Roman world. Yeah. Which was very similar to how... You know, Samurai World and Raj World and Westworld were separated by that like lake. Yes. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and then and then he's able to go down underneath into the sort of uh, Delos kind of underground. Yeah. Thing, and then he ends up in Medieval World, which sort of the finale takes place, basically. And that was just like they did with Samurai World when they went through that tunnel and escaped back to Westworld. Yeah. And and so yeah, definitely a lot of pulled from here, especially like I thought you were gonna mention um, with Emily escaping the Raj, very similar here, yeah, and crossing over parks and stuff, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think what else happened. What did you think about when they were first headed to Westworld? I mean, they do this whole fun little thing about they're basically doing a commercial and everyone's talking about how much fun they had. Yeah, this woman is talking about how amazing the men were. Like she clearly was just like having a lot of sex with the the dude robots there yeah. and I, I think it's like a lot of these <laughs> actors it's so kind of interesting because they're very i feel like a lot of these actors are you know they're com come from a maybe a more old school style of acting in yeah. certain ways so um a lot of and and so they right still away, a little bit of that transatlantic accent yeah um and right away i think some characters are openly discussing like like the one guy's like I killed six men. Well, I think they were men. Yeah. I think they were robots. And like, he kind of immediately brings up this issue of like weird morality and like <laughs> kind of, so I thought that was, it's, uh, it was interesting kind of. Yeah. He was like, I'm not sure how I should feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh, you're talking out loud while on TV. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I thought it was fun. Is this a problem? I hope they were robots. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were. Uh, um, and then yeah so we, instead of a train it's a yes a plane basically a jet it was like a crazy future plane at first i wasn't sure i was like oh are they coming in on the plane are they coming as oh is this the train they're headed to the west world on the train but it was this crazy future like airbusy jet yeah and um yeah uh, that was interesting and uh i i obviously because it's like the early 70s and you know essentially computers are giant <laughs> boxes with mm -hmm. spinny things mm -hmm. like whenever it cuts to like the control room stuff and you're just like like man all that that must be so hot in there with all those servers yeah so this was something that was interesting you know there is no ford like character there's a director and there's sort of a board of executives and then there's like this control room which i guess you would call the equivalent to narrative or behavior and they were sort of monitoring everything and they were talking about how some of the hosts some of the robots were not performing correctly or were starting to break down they were looking at like a graph like they're starting to break down more yeah. often 
we're not sure what's going on. It's almost like a virus. Someone's like, like a virus? They're not organic. And then, you know, they set up right at the beginning. He's like, well, some of these are, they're so complicated. They're being made by other computers. We don't even know how they work now. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, knowing, knowing the, what you know, it's sort of like, wow, these are a lot of red flags, but yeah. they're all acting pretty calmly about it. And they sort of set up the magic of the world with that moment. Yeah. So what I thought was crazy was they do the little orientation on the plane and they tell you like X, Y, and Z world. But then when they get there and they go to Westworld, they have this great scene, which was they did. They This is one of the things that they remade in Westworld where they look down and they had the hats, they had the cowboy boots, they had like the guns and stuff. And they basically remade that in the current Westworld TV show. Yeah, I think it was pretty cool. Do you think in this version there is a character off screen of like a ford character that we just never see no i think that's in future world okay and do we that's where that comes from in future world also there's like a james delos character that we don't see yeah i think i think we'll see a combination of things like that from future world in the next movie that's where and so it's like this it's it's sort of like they take the world the concept of the universe from the westworld show but i think thematically like the character stories are more influenced by what we're going to see in the next movie yeah, the, whereas, like, I'm sure Future World, like, in, like, the show goes off in these crazy directions. This movie is more closely to what Jurassic Park explores. And that yes. it doesn't get too deep into, you know, dinosaur-human hybrid or all this other, like, crazy stuff that, like, you could, you know, <laughs> take the take the concept into. It's just basically, like, people go to a park and, and like, immerse themselves in the wonder. Things start to go into shit, and then they have to get out. You know? Yeah. And... So the one character, and we mentioned this a little bit at the top, but the one character that I definitely see an influence of is the two main characters, um, John and Peter. And John is played by James Brolin, who my girlfriend and I were watching it together. And I say, he looks exactly like Christian Bale. And then I get a text from John saying, this guy looks just like Christian Bale. Yeah, it's it's so uncanny. It's It's crazy that he... Neither of us think he looks that much like jo- uh, Josh Brolin and that he looks like Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah. And like, you don't know. I, I watched Amityville Horror recently uh, uh-huh. with him in it. And he doesn't look anything because he has a giant beard in that. So oh, you, you don't really wow. get to see his full face in it. And this one's like because he's so he's shaven. You're like, like, whoa, he looks just like him. So his character, John, is the one who's been to Westworld before. Peter's the new guy. And Peter at the beginning is very young William. He's very naive. He's like, oh, this sounds exciting. But he's sort of like scared about it. And it's like, oh, is this okay? Whereas John John is like the experienced one. He's like, it's going to be great. Like, we're going to go to the the prostitutes. We're at the saloon. We're going to get into gunfights. It's going to be awesome. Okay, so I kind of maybe like got distracted at that moment when they go to the brothel. Does Peter yeah. sleep with the hooker? The oh prostitute? yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. No, you they you see him uh, rolling around in bed. Okay. I was because like I had this point like I I sort of missed that and like didn't even yeah. process it and then I had this thought in my head that he was you know maybe at this time like closeted you know like oh and because when he when they first go to the bar before they run into the gunslinger it's like he tries to order like a vodka martini on the rocks you know oh, um, and and just kind of has this very sort of demeanor about him i think that i thought was maybe for the 70s yeah. yeah and so but I, I i guess if it's and then like after i then i kind of like started paying attention after i guess that he was trying to explain himself to the the prostitute and then it cuts to him afterwards i thought like oh did he like actually not sleep with her was he just like well like, because it, william also didn't sleep with the prostitute remember he doesn't sleep with uh 
yeah. was it Maeve or uh, is it Clementine? I think so. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't sleep with her in the original timeline because he's like, no, no, you don't have to. When when he first starts talking to her, he's like, oh, you don't. He's like, he's like, we can just talk first. He sort of does start like that, like, well, yeah. But I mean, then he very quickly leans into it. He and it sort of switches into more of a Logan character. Because Peter basically tells him like, "I never really had a girlfriend before." Right. Like it's never been a relationship. He's like, "I never like." And then she's just like, "I don't care." <laughs> yeah. Like you're not paying me to be in a relationship. Yeah. She's like, "I'm a robot. I'm here to do whatever with you." Um. And then before this, we're introduced because they go to the bar first. Yeah. And they're at the bar. He does. He orders that like girly drink, and the gunslinger comes in, the man in black. Yeah. Yul Brenner. Character. Yul Brenner. Very interesting looking guy. He comes in, makes fun of him because he gets like some kind of probably nasty whiskey. And it looks you know, like Peter's he's like basically having a hard time down in it. Yeah. And he calls, he keeps calling him boy. And so they get into a gunfight there. And, you know, Peter kills the gunslinger. And you see that sort of sense of excitement on him. He He's very sort of becoming yeah, this. Unlocking uh, the man inside. Yeah. That, the stain. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the best part of this movie is Yul Brynner in the way that like his performance, like he does a really good job of just conveying this robotic, you know, like driven force and like his eyes. And the, I don't know. I don't know if he's like wearing contacts or something like that, but they have that like, kind of like silvery. They, gold... Yeah, he has colored contacts. Huh? Yeah. And just like his the way like he is so good in this movie, I think of just conveying that he is a robot. <laughs> so this brings up a really good point, John. At the there are two they explained two of the pieces of tech for us, which I gotta tell you, I would not feel confident with this. There's only one way, supposedly, to tell the hosts from the humans, the robots, and that was by their hands. Yeah. Like that is not something that makes me feel confident. It's no. like you gotta look at the, he's like, Oh, you gotta look at their hands. Their hands aren't right. It's like what? And he goes, Yeah, they're apparently really hard to get right. You gotta look at their hands. Like, that's a strange design decision for them to have picked. Yeah. It's like, what's so complicated? Also, the uh, John explains to Peter that the guns, they don't fire if they sense a heat signature. Unbelievable. Which, yeah, I felt like that's probably could lead to a lot of mistakes and fatal shootings. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Especially if you are standing, like if there's a host standing between you and someone shooting at a host. And let's say it goes past them, it could hit you. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, do you think in Future World they're going to be called hosts or not? Because they're just called robots in this. They're not even called androids. No, yeah. So maybe maybe that's where the the, the term comes from in a future, future movie. Yeah. Um, or they made it for the show. Because it's a great... I like, that the, I like that they have that because it's definitely more unique than other robots or androids. They're, they do definitely have their own thing going on the show, which I'm glad they have the term hosts. Yeah. Um, while they're at the brothel, there's like the ongoing bank robbery. Um that I was like, I feel like I wouldn't be able to like, you know, be intimate while there's like a gun battle happening outside my yeah. window. Um, yeah. But then the, another thing they reference in the show is that uh, at night, all the uh, Delos techs come out to like collect all the bodies, and you kind of see the whole uh, process of them dumping the bodies down, and then they go into the conveyor belt, and they show up in these labs, and people are working on them, repairing them, um, which I thought was cool. Which I think so, you know, watching this at the time probably would have been like, whoa, that's cool. Yeah, and. You know, what was great was the lab techs, when we saw them working on the robots, they were in all white, so they just didn't have the red, but it was very similar. And the guys who showed up, they were like QA, and they were all black when they took the people from sort of, I guess, it would be their sort of little Sweetwater town, just like the QA guys. They were yeah. dressed similar. So it was interesting that they pulled those two outfits. Here's a weird thing I want to talk about. So these robots, other than 
maybe some of them, like the gunslinger, a lot of them didn't seem to have their own uh, anima. Because we see a really cool thing that was happening was we saw this one little side storyline of the movie going on in medieval world yeah. where this guy was the king and we see him getting set up to have a duel against the equivalent of the gunslingers like the black knight yeah and it's this guy's last day and so we see these people in narrative saying let's set him up with a big show for his last day and like so they're yeah. they're like directing these robots what to do which means they're also telling these robots to like have sex with people and stuff yeah like yeah, it seems like not all ho or not all robots in this case are built the same. Um, they say how the gunslinger is given a lot of heightened, uh, you know, sensitivity and, and sensors to basically. And I think it was just like upgraded, so it's probably one of those newer ones, like that they didn't even know how it worked. Yeah. Maybe. Whereas like other ones seem to be more uh, like remotely program based, so that that way they can tell them to you know in this moment do this and stuff. I felt like the whole medieval like storyline with that guy it, like it was so creepy with him and daphne like the the girl yeah, yeah. i was just like <laughs> yeah like, i don't like this <laughs> yeah i agree but it was smart because it showed it, it set up tension by letting us see things go wrong there first because we didn't really care about that character yeah so it's like oh okay we'll have this happen over here to a character we're gonna make kind of creepy like we're not gonna you have like an attractive guy that you care about so that when things go bad there and you see this robot kill him you're gonna be like oh shit though my boy peter is about to be in trouble yeah i thought that like compared to the modern show where nobody like before basically everything goes to shit it's no guests die or are like hurt by any right. accident there's a one kind of moment where the the one couple goes out with the sheriff and he starts to malfunction and they get kind of scared right. and they run back but there's no like oh like there was an accident in the park you know except for the man in black when dolores awakens she like breaks his arm true that's that's probably the closest thing but then i guess it's like therese dies and then right. you know ford Teresa. really is like kind of the the start of like the massacre basically um you know i gotta point this out so in the town which i'm just gonna call sweetwater because it's basically what it was when we first are introduced to it there are some shots that they straight up duplicated when you first enter sweetwater as well yeah and you um people should pay attention to that you'll see like the guy by getting on their horse the couple of guys hanging out by the saloon like some of them were almost shot for shot but we mentioned you know there was the big shootout and then the qa guys come in that scene looked very similar to the massacre scene when you look out at sweetwater and there's sort of like dead bodies littered all over yeah. the ground yeah definitely very that, cool that, that, that brought a lot of that to that um also like when they do the whole like we're starting a new day you know countdown to launch type of thing um I thought that was kind of funny. We don't really see that in the modern Westworld. Right. Um, because, you know, if there's guests ongoing, like staying at the park, I think it would be kind of weird if it's like you're sleeping, and then you wake up and you just see a lot of people like standing around, like not moving. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, you know, another thing that we don't, I almost forgot to mention, and it's so easy to look over this, but the whole idea of the new updates and the hosts are starting to have problems, and he talks about it almost being like a virus. It's just like the way the reveries work and how the hosts communicate to each other wirelessly in yeah. Westworld and how the reveries spread from one park to the other, and they all started to awaken or become more unique and less controlled by behavior. It's yeah. very similar. Well, I thought it was interesting that the moment in which everything starts to turn, basically, is that it seems like Westworld was like empty because it was the giant bar fight that happened. And Peter and John are like walking home, basically hung over and beat up. There seems to be nobody in 
Sweetwater. Like oh, so this is this is where I think. So here's what, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Here's what I think happened here. We see everything go wrong in the other yeah. parks. We don't actually really see it happen in Westworld. But when shit starts to go wrong, like we actually see people in like Roman world just getting slaughtered by the Romans. yeah, like it's a lot of like strangling and things. And then I'm yeah. assuming, and then we just see the one guy in medieval world get stabbed and stuff. But we also see in like the Mesa equivalent, like in the Delos Destinations HQ there, they lock themselves down and shut down all power. Yeah. And then we actually see a lot of the robots stop functioning, but then everyone's just stuck and locked in. They're all going to just die, starve to death, or run out of it. Like, everyone's going to die. Yeah. And the only person who seems to be walking around after that is the gunslinger. So it seems like the gunslinger is, like, he's the thing they were talking about. Like, we don't even know how he works. He's on his own. We can't even Yeah, and I think because he was a... a technically a newer model he probably had a longer battery life yeah because it seems like yeah i thought that was a little weird when because it didn't seem like that much time passed between when the gunslinger kills john and peter starts running and there's just kind of prolonged basically sets off the entire third act of uh this sort of chase this cat and mouse chase yeah um by the time he gets down into the delos lab like or the the control center it's like those guys seem all to be dead and I was like, did they just die from like heat asphyxiation or lack lack of oxygen? Lack of they oxygen? said they were gonna run out of okay. oxygen like really soon. I mean, there's a lot of people in a small room, so yeah. I feel that's a weird countermeasure to have if you're gonna have the yes. ability to lock down. You wouldn't have ability to replenish oxygen. I think it's because they shut off all power because they couldn't figure out how to stop the robots. I don't know. It was a dumb. It's a dumb thing, but it was meant to show. I mean, I'll say this. The humans in the Westworld TV show are as stupid as the humans yeah. in the Westworld movie. That's true. Uh, they they don't have countermeasures. Um, we actually almost skipped over one thing before the gunslinger chases him. He actually shows up a second time, yeah. almost like he's holding a grudge against John. And he comes after John in his room, and he has the gun up to him. And then Peter busts in, kills him. Yeah, I thought that was. And then he gets sent to jail. Yeah. Which was this cool, like, breakout scene that they did, which was kind of awesome. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that was cool in the sense that, that we, d we don't really get to see in the modern version of, like, how immersive you can be in Westworld. Because, yeah. like, obviously they want to focus more on the, what happens when things start to go to shit. But yeah, I think what this movie does, you know, whether it's to its benefit or detriment, because, you know, in a movie you only have a certain amount of real estate to work with, but they do spend a lot of time of, showing you how you can immerse yourself in the world so you can get arrested and placed in jail and then you got to like figure out how to break your friend out and i yeah. thought that was kind of cool too it was super cool it's like the only time we ever got to see some narrative stuff was when young with young william for a little while that's really like the only true narrative stories we followed for a little bit when he was first touring yeah and also like when dolores met up with them and they went off to right uh, find whatever the thing is and with lawrence and stuff so um, I guess that's, so that's, the, that's was the pretty cool narrative dive into. Um, so what did you think about the third act and the gunslinger chase? It was, you know, it's very Halloween, you know, yeah. like the slasher is coming after you. There's not a lot of, you know, plot in terms of it's one it's it's I liked it because the tension was really high. It was yeah. they played with noise really well. Like it was very quiet. Again, Yul Brynner's performance as just like him walking in this kind of very robotic end, but still kind of maintaining his like character kind of like posture. I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> and they had just set up like they showed the robot getting updated and they had just set up the QA guy uh, when he updated the robot was like, let's up his audio sensors. So like 
you see Peter breathing heavy. He's out of breath, and you you hear it from the gunslinger's POV, and he sort of lasers in on him. Yeah. Um, I thought that was all cool. The, the part where Peter, you know, he lays on the table to act like a host or a robot. Um, and then when the gunslinger turns to thinks he's got him, he throws acid in his face. Yeah. Which was because he ran. And this, I was so happy when he, during the chase, we did get to see that Westworld was actually a huge desert because I was worried it was just this tiny town. Yeah. Um, he's chased for a while and he runs into a QA guy out in the field who's like trying to escape, which was very much like the TV show because he's out there in this open, like seated car, nothing armored because they're just so sure they can control all these things. Yeah. And he's like, the gunslinger's coming after you. He's like, you're dead. He's like, unless you have like acid or something, which is like a very particular weird thing. I was like, thanks like technician man for, I, I didn't understand why Peter didn't just try to shoot the gunslinger. Yeah. Maybe he just wasn't a very good shot, but. Like from distance, at least. Yeah, um, it it was strange to me, but we see we see the QA guy get wiped out, yeah. and that that felt very similar to also, the show, those, the way those, he showed like, up weird in his car. Go-kart things don't seem very practical in an outside, outdoor setting. <laughs> no, but and it just like the sort of ATV kind of things. Yeah, at least the ATV you they know? got like the kind of off road wheel, off road kind of look to them. Whereas these yeah, things, but there's like golf carts, no protection you're being shot at. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That, I, I thought so. Here's here's where I got confused. I mean, I know he's not a better shot, so I get why he didn't try to beat him in a shootout at the beginning. But once the gunslinger's battery ran out, which was so silly, such such a funny, weird thing to happen. Why didn't he shoot at him then? I don't think he had a weapon. Oh, did he, he lost his gun, I guess. Yeah, he, he hadn't had a gun for a while. I think when he like he uh-huh. got shot at in the canyon, he like dropped his weapon and basically was running. Got from- it. So all he did was like, um, I'll take this acid, throw it on him, mess up his sensors. Then he goes to the medieval world where the, the the Black Knight and the Queen, I guess, have like their batteries essentially run out. So they're frozen. Right. Um, and then Peter uses the fire to essentially distract because it's like yeah. he locks onto that heat signature. And he can't see Peter. Um, I thought it was like it was such an interesting button, though, after you think he basically like lights the gunslinger on fire who seemed to be doused in gasoline the way he <laughs> lights up <laughs> um but then he goes down to the dungeon and you see you know here's this woman crying and such a strange scene i thought it was kind of a cool button because this is where it gets into the whole like you know human versus host and like what's the difference if, if you can't tell the difference and what was it matter it kind of had this like right. interesting sci-fi button and it felt a little like william and dolores yeah where it's like he thinks like oh i'm gonna help this person out of like a it could be one, but then he tries to give her water and she basically fries and starts smoking. And I thought that was just yeah. kind of cool. And then you get one more last little button from the gunslinger all, you know, scorched, <laughs> all like ashed up. And he, huh. yeah. So, and then the movie just, just ends. It's just like, well, that was, a, and I, doesn't it end on something weird saying like something about vacation or something? I forget the, ends on some strange button like that. Yeah. The ending, it definitely didn't stick the landing. <laughs> it's more just like, I could tell what he wanted to do which was very much of the time these sort of slasher and or horror movies in which the monster's after you you gotta run from the monster but then it's like he almost like michael crane didn't really know where to go after that and he's just like all right i'm just gonna button this with this sort of woman in the dungeon thing and then that'll be it and you know our character will go back home but he'll be forever changed and so will society or until the sequel you know yeah I think it's great. I think people should, at least if you're a fan of the TV show, I think you should absolutely watch this movie. Yeah, I think you I will think get it's good, a lot out it's of it. It's good sci fi. Yeah. I think it's for sure. It's not obviously the most, it's a very, you know, 
it's that era of movie making so it's a little bit slow at times or just like as far as just the pacing it takes its time but it's it explores some interesting ideas you know and there's really i mean i think a lot of people have said the movie isn't really anything like the show but really there are a lot of things you can gleam and get more information about what the show is i think from this yes where i feel like the show when you start watching it because of the timeline stuff the jumps like, it feels so different just because the storytelling yeah. yeah whereas this is a very very straightforward way of like introduce introducing you to the park what it is yeah, absolutely the concept is you know how does it work and it's almost like an interesting primer for the show absolutely uh but yeah well i thoroughly enjoyed it i did too i think again i, I like we said we recommend it for anybody that's looking for something interesting to watch and uh yeah and I, i'm excited to see what future world is because it is something that michael Crichton didn't direct or write or had anything to do with actually um doesn't have mm-hmm. any of the same actors other than i think there's a brief cameo by yul brenner in the in future world which there is a brief cameo of the yul brenner gunslinger in the west world first season oh yeah yeah, you see him in so like where they have all the old like re, like hosts and stuff. Yeah, there's actually a gunslinger like oh, in the background. Like they made it look like him. It, like it is like exactly the gunslinger. Oh, that's cool. Like for I'll sure. Have look, I'll have to look for it next time. Yeah, you could just Google um like gunslinger, you know, cameo or for like Easter egg, gunslinger Easter egg Westworld. Got it. It's really it's very obvious. So it's like it's not a possible like oh this might be it's like okay yeah that is they made a Yul Brenner host. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know. I know. Actually, I, I'm seeing the image now of him. Yeah. There's like two. There's two. Yeah. It's like he's kind of in the background of the one thing. Yeah. Anyways. Um. So, uh, what's next? <laughs> well, so next we're gonna watch Future World, and we're gonna do the same thing. We're gonna discuss what it means, and I think we're gonna have a lot more to talk about with that, and that will possibly give us new theories. Yeah. So I think next week we'll discuss and, uh, we'll Future World, the... and then also Future no, Theories. And the Westworld show, because I looked into it, John, isn't, it's more of a continuation of Future World. Okay. So, yeah, maybe we'll do the movie, and then for another week, we'll do the, the show, mm-hmm. and we'll see. Either we'll, we'll love it or hate it. It's that. very, like, character-centric, the Westworld show. Like, each episode apparently focuses on a different character. So, like, what I read about it makes me really interested in seeing it now. So Okay. Okay. Uh, and these things are all on, like, Amazon, so you could just go rent them and stream them. Yeah. And... Thanks for everyone for listening. And also, if you enjoy the show, make sure you like and subscribe. Also, if there's anything you'd like to submit, uh, tweet at us on Twitter or uh, hashtag us on Instagram, uh, hashtag WatchWorld. And, And boy, do we have a vacation for you. Where nothing could possibly go wrong.